Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three where you'll find separate speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Kate. Hi, I'm Kate, compulsive overeater. Hi, Kate. Oh, is that alright if we just take a minute? <laughs> just a little minute. Thank you. Um, I'm nervous, you guys. This is like a big group of like fancy people, and um, I'm like, I really want you all to like me, and I want to have the best recovery ever. Um, and it's funny, like I, I think I could probably kill about five minutes talking about that, <laughs> but I'll try to avoid it. But um, Sarah P, thank you so much for asking me to be here. Um, Sarah and I, we were just talking. We were original God Squad members back in. 1999-2000, um, we went to those Hill Street meetings, those uh, 7.30 a.m. meetings. We had fellowship afterwards, and we just earnestly worked this program. And um, it's so. And then we, we lost track of each other, and recently, within the last year, uh, kind of reconnected, and it's such a gift. Um, this program's amazing that 15 years later, you know, we can reconnect. And so... Ah, thank you, and happy birthday, and Atusa. I first came into OA um, April of 1999, and I was 23, working a master's program. I um, lived here in Brentwood, and so I got abstinent in all of these West Side Santa Monica meetings. And uh, and um, I remember that first meeting um, before. I was living with a pair of sisters, one um, an alcoholic, one an Al-Anon, both in recovery, and um, they had the most interesting life, and I was really, like, the, the family I grew up in, look, we didn't talk about things, we didn't solve problems, like, if there was a problem, then we just pushed it down, <laughs> you know, until until somebody exploded, usually me, and, um, and so, and I <laughs> And so um, it was really interesting when there would be an issue in our household and um, and we'd have a, a meeting about it. We'd have a group conscience about it. And people wouldn't raise their voices and people would just say, oh, you know, it kind of upsets me when you eat my food. And I'd be totally scared and like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you hate me. You're going to kick me out. And no, it's just like, please don't eat my food. And I mean, of course I ate. Of course, I ate their food, but um, <laughs> I um, but I started to notice like the phone ringing um, all the time. This 1998, 99, you know, the phone's ringing all the time. There's this woman, Carmela, that kept calling one of one of the sisters and um, and you know answering machines and um, and they were they just always had people to talk to and um, they always seemed to have like. Well, something's, something's difficult, but I'm going to try this or I'm going to try that. It was never my solution. Um, thank God for this solution. It really, I think it probably saved my life in my childhood. It's to close the doors, draw the proverbial blinds or whatever, uh, mini blinds, and um, put the TV on and disappear into something um, and, you know, wake up 
with crumbs or like I would wake up with silverware at the bottom of my bed, <laughs> you know, like sticky spoons and stuff. So, um, and I saw that these women had a different way of living and I wanted what they had. And I was on this self-administered diet where um, I was going to basically eat perfectly. I heard someone share, she took a candle recently, and she, she said, this is a little sidetrack, uh, that her sponsor, she was so grateful that her sponsor had guided her abstinence because if it were up to her, abstinence would be to not be a compulsive overeater. And that was so profound to me because... Yeah, that's what I want my abstinence to look like. I don't want to be a compulsive overeater. I don't want to be obsessed with food. I don't, you know, I don't want to have to think about it. And so when I think about it, I get really scared and think that I've done something wrong and I must not be working the steps hard enough. But the truth of the matter is I am a compulsive overeater, like, to the core. And, and so when I think about food as a solution to my problems, that's par for the course. That's normal. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, I, <laughs> um, so I was on this self-administered diet where it was just going to be perfect food. And I remember I had had, are we allowed to mention specific foods? I'd had an artichoke and some juice um, and for dinner. And I was running every morning um, compulsively at 5 a.m. If I didn't run, I, I, the day didn't happen. Um, and so... Um, and I remember I, I, I thought, well, these ladies, these girls I live with, they seem real, like they have something figured out. I'm going to look into this OA thing. And I found a meeting, the Tuesday night anorexic bulimic meeting in um, Santa Monica down on Pico and uh, 14th. And um, I was sitting in my living room, like literally clutching the chair, waiting for that meeting to start, waiting for it to be time. Because I had had this artichoke and juice at like 5. The meeting started at 8. What was I going to do? Like... I wanted more food, and, you know, it never occurred to me that that's not a dinner, but, like, I wanted more food. What am I going to do? I'm just going to sit here and literally white-knuckle it until this meeting starts, and I walked into, um, I walked into the room, and I just hit the ground running. Um, I thought I had finally found, I thought I'd finally found the answer, the way to be perfect, people were talking about, like, this list of steps and this list of traditions, and they um, they must be rules, like, and yay, I have rules to follow now, and so I won't ever make a mistake again, and I won't ever have problems again, because I'm going to do those perfectly, and I heard someone say, um, she took every single, someone who's still around today, you know, she said she took every single suggestion in the big book and did it. And I thought, okay, I'll do that too. You know, and I heard people say, I go to a meeting every day. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And I got a sponsor, and I got service commitments. And um, and I started losing weight. Um, my, for, for, my top weight was probably close to 200 pounds. I don't know what I weigh today. My top size was like an 18. I wear like a 10 or a 12 now. And I've been maintaining that for, <sighs> I don't know how long. It's been a while. But, um... I um, got sidetracked. Okay. I really forgot my, totally lost my train of thought. Thank you. Follow every suggestion in the big book. Um, And um, 
Oh, yeah, I was losing weight. That's what got me sidetracked. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got pretty skinny. I got skinnier than I am now. Um, I mean, I will never be. But anyway, who knows? Who knows? Um, but um, I got pretty skinny, and um, I really thought I had the answers. I uh, was maybe about four or five years in, and um, I remember this woman, this young woman who was bulimic. I'm not bulimic and relapsing, and I had never relapsed at that point, coming up to me and saying, like, what do I do? I just can't get this. And, you know, having zero experience with what she was going through, I was like, you just need to work the steps harder. You need to get rid of those character defects. And, like, like you can get rid of them, you know? Like, like there's a way to get rid of them on my own power. There's no, you know, I, and I just didn't realize that I think I did have, like, I did have, um, genuine grace it did have genuine relief from the obsession of food um body and weight but things kind of started to go along things kind of got a little easier and then I thought I was doing it I thought it was this checklist of perfect things the, the suggestions in the big book the they're not bad but um <laughs> but I thought it was like if I just do these things in this order and turn around three times I get to stay abstinent and rather than if I just surrender my will and my life over to the care of a power greater than myself, maybe I get to be abstinent. Well, so about seven years in, my um, we used to talk about the road getting narrower. For me, that was like take out foods. Just stop eating that food. Stop eating this food, you know, so I can basically control my food. And um, it was like if food tasted good, it must be something, it must be a trigger. I should stop eating it. And, um, you know, I just can't maintain that level of control for very long. And I simultaneously moved to a new part of town, to, up to the valley. I um, got into a new relationship with a guy who told me that you don't seem to have a problem with food. So, and I thought, he must be right. <laughs> you know, he must be right. I must not have any food problems. And, um... And I was like, the food was getting slippery, and I couldn't, I couldn't justify it with my perfect um, model that I'd set up for myself. And I didn't want to talk to my sponsor. And a couple of my dear friends had relapsed, and I didn't understand how, how does that work? They were doing everything right. How do you relapse if you're doing everything right? That doesn't make any sense at all. And um, I stopped coming. I stopped coming for somewhere around three years. Um, so I was in seven years, out three years. I've been back five, um, a little more than. Um, and during that three years, I grew to loathe OA. Um, I hated the jargon. I hated all of the, like, pol- what I perceived to be, like, Pollyanna, like, gratitude. Oh, just that I'm grateful I'm alive, you know, all that stuff. I just... Um, I'm not going to curse. <laughs> I was told I cannot curse or should not curse. Um, I, yeah, I didn't, I, um, I thought, oh, my God, it's just a bunch of perfectionists trying to control their food, and why do I need to worry so much about food? Everybody struggles with food. Why is it such a big deal? Meanwhile, I go back to food behaviors that I thought I would never revisit, like eating to the point of, like, feeling like I needed to throw up or, um, or, like, you know, in the bag, in the bag, in the bag, um, and just eating, eating, eating. Um, I was, this relationship, the, the, the guy, um, wasn't going so well, but 
I was really in denial about that. It was, it was a big contributor. I, used, I would just sit and eat and drink and wait for him to show up the way I wanted him to show up. And, um, and I went, oh, and I gained probably, I don't know, 40 pounds or something. And um, I went on a bona fide diet like, that I paid to go on. I, and I, um, I showed up every week, and I wasn't going to meetings, and I wasn't really in touch with any fellows. And I was trying to talk to these people at this organized diet about my feelings around food, and they were just like, giving me this look like, you are crazy, um, you know, we, I ate a half a cup, you know, and I, um, and it was six, six, six weeks of that, I lost a little weight, I thought, okay, this is good, this is good, anyway, this diet, like, this diet set off the obsession in a way that I never thought possible like I was nose to pastry case just like all I wanted was to eat the foods that the diet told me I shouldn't eat and um I was I hated my body I hated that like I'd lost weight now I was gaining it back I hated that I couldn't control my boyfriend I hated everything I was so unhappy I I mean I went to Italy and managed to be miserable the whole time, like, and I just ate, drank, ate, drank, ate, drank, ate, drank, you know, and, and, and hid, what is it, it's in that literature somewhere, we, you know, we hid, anyway, (laughs) we ate and we hid, um, so I, I went, I served jury duty, and, um, I was picked on a panel, and we were deliberating whether or not, this gentleman had um, attempted murder, and I had brought um, food to the deliberation, and we were, people were literally talking, did this man murder, did this man attempt murder, did he not, and I was like, are you going to eat that scone? (laughs) Seriously, it's like all I could, all I could think about, and I, it struck me that that maybe wasn't like that maybe wasn't sane like that wasn't sanity and um and I read a book an outside book but written by one of our members who and it just made me ache for the fellowship in a way that I hadn't felt in so long I just the idea of like having people who can laugh when I say this stuff who understand that thinking about a scone while someone's life is literally on the line, you know, it's something that I would be doing. And so, um, I mean, they, yeah, they didn't do that at the diet club. And and so um, I just ate, ate, ate. So I looked, um, I came back to a meeting in Santa Monica the Tuesday um, afternoon. Yeah, cottage meeting. It was still in the, the big room. Anyway, I, um, I came back to that meeting. I became secretary. Two weeks after I came back, boyfriend dumped me, um, and it was such a it was such a blessing because um, well it was a blessing on a, a, a number of, <laughs> of levels, but it was such a blessing because in that relationship I had let go of everything I'd let go of all of my friends I'd let go of all of my support system, and so I came up like you know looking up over the dust that's clearing from this relationship and I didn't have anybody any support and. Um, and, like, isn't it amazing that I started going back to meetings? And I, my God, those, I live on the other side of town. Those Eagle Rock, or uh, 
Los Feliz meetings, every single meeting that I went to was, I'm going through a breakup, <laughs> you know, and just, I'm going through a breakup, and for like a year, at least a year. Um, so it was, um, I, like, such a, it's so amazing. I, I think of it as God doing for me what I could not do for myself, because I, that, that being so moved to come back at, at that time just seemed, seemed like the timing was right. So, um, so I guess, how, okay, um, this, so this time around, this time around, I, um, I decided very stubbornly that I was going to do everything differently. I wasn't going to take a bunch of suggestions, <laughs> and I wasn't going to, I didn't touch a big book for probably six months, like, into my, um, into my new abstinence, and, um, and um, I went to one meeting a week, and I um, was not going to share about the solution. Thank you very much. I was not going, you know, I was going to share about how I was feeling. Because, because for me, you know, they, there's a, for newcomers, there's a, um, a saying, uh, share one minute on the problem, two minutes on the solution. And it's a great idea. Um, <laughs> and what happened, you know, little... Um, 20-something Kate, um, new to recovery, like, I just, a rule like that, I will just take it, and I will get so rigid with it that I won't share anything real. Um, and so it's really important for me to, to share, uh, what do they say, you can't save your ass and your face at the same time. So, um, so... When I when uh, Sarah asked me to speak here, um, and she told me about the whole podcast thing, I got really nervous about um, because I have a tendency of turning into Miss OA when I get attention. Like I had this I had this feeling that like oh no podcast bad idea. She suggested I I could use my cat's name, <laughs> which is like I am Scooter compulsively later, <laughs> but um, which is adorable. And um, but um, I called my sponsor. I've had the same sponsor for for all the time I've been back, um, and she is she has everything I want. She has everything I want, and it's like yeah, she's beautiful and she's thin and all of that, but she she moves through life with grace, and. Even through the hardest times I've seen her go through, she has just such a strength and such a faith and such a desire to have her faith be her strength. And um, I called my sponsor, and I told her, you know, I was really worried about getting a big head, a bigger head. And, um, and she's like, hey, just go be of service. You know, like, get over yourself. Get over yourself about the big head already. Like, just go be of service. And, and I was... Um, to filling out the paperwork, it just Sarah reminded me it's not about me. Um, but I mean, I guess there's I. I learned when I made my recovery about me being a good girl. That's when it stopped to being recovery. Um, and when my recovery is when I had I had an aha moment, like. I felt my, um, I think I felt my skirt getting a little looser. I had been in the rooms a couple months or so, and I thought, like, my, my pants are getting a little big. And that is just obsession city, you know, pants too big, oh, my God. And then, like, I've forecasted when I'm going to be a size four. And, you know, it's like, but, um, 
And I realized, oh, my God, I'm powerless over that. I can't control that. That is what my brain does when life gets anything. When there's any kind of stimulus in life, I go to food, body, and weight. And that is what it means for me to be a compulsive overeater. So there's no debate there anymore. I just am. Um, and there's now it's like it's given me a kind of compassion around around it that I never had before. So I'm not like dirty compulsive overeater. I'm like, oh, sweetheart, look at you wanting to eat now. Or sweetheart, look at you wanting to like look up your BMI online, you know. <laughs> like, of course, that's, that's what you want to be doing right now. And, um, and for me, that was a really powerful uh, first-step experience. Um, like, I cannot control that. I cannot reason it away. I cannot read it away. I cannot talk it away. I have no power over that mindset. And only, only by turning my will in my life over to the care of a power greater than myself do I have any shot at sanity. Um, now, my relationship with my higher power evolves. I, I have been liking calling it, calling it him, her, um, God as I don't understand God, because I don't, really. Um, I kind of want my higher power to be so big that I can't describe it. Um, because if I can describe it, then it's probably not bigger than me. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, it doesn't really matter what it is for me. Um, what matters is that that's a hard one. I really would love to be able to tell you I have my God is this and this and this and this and this, but it's. Um, I, it's like I kind of don't need that in order to turn my, my will and my life over to it. I, um, I just trust that there's something out there that knows more than I do. And even um, and it seems like when I tap into that resource, my life runs more smoothly and I'm more likely to have grace, grace from the freedom from the obsession. Um, and I, um, I remember when I was working my third step, I I started to it was always worried about I'm always worried about work because I freelance and I'm always worried that there's not going to be enough for me and thank you um, and so I was talking to my sponsor about how worried I was about work I was in a new relationship I was worried about that I um, worry 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 and she's like I think we why don't we just gently start your fourth step and you know just start reading the fourth step and I did this like this very thorough or or very you know self-obsessed fourth step um, that actually was this incredible experience. Um, I guess what I learned from that is the answer is in the steps. Like I think my job. I, I what am I going to do about my job? The answer is start working your fourth step. You know what am I going to do about the, the boy? Well. Just start working the fourth step. And that, I've learned that when in doubt, that is something that I absolutely can control. Um, I can't control the horses running in my head, but I can pick up my step work. If that's reading, if that's writing, if that's praying and meditating, if that's doing a tenth step, if that's, you know, 
any myriad of ways we work the steps. And, um, and that, to me, is like probably the greatest act of faith. I'm so worried about life and all of the things that I can't control. And I would really like to just sit and think about how I can't control them and ways that I wish I could, and if he did this, and if she did that, and if this were that way, and if I were better than I am, if, you know, all of that stuff. But really just putting that stuff down long enough to pick up the step work, that's an act of faith. That's a third step action right there. And um, recently, I guess I'll close with this. Um, Recently, I... Um, I have a sponsee who is really struggling. She came from a very rigid food plan. Now she wants to try a more um, all foods moderately type food plan. And and to not put the focus so much on the food. And she'll call me and she'll be so afraid. Oh, my God, I'm so afraid of food. I'm so afraid about the food. And so we talked about this exercise. In the big book, it talks in the... Um, you know, the, this guy, he, uh, for those who don't know the story, he, he goes into a bar and he orders a sandwich, and then he's like, maybe I could have some bourbon with that, you know, and whiskey with that. And so, and he's like, this was a great idea. And, and then suddenly, he's like, hmm, I sort of sense I'm not being so smart. But something I never noticed about that story is further down, we asked him each time what happened. We went through it, like, with a comb. And... What, al- what always happened, what usually happened, or what always happened was he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. And I used to hear that as kind of like a punitive, like, you didn't enlarge your personal life. You didn't check that off the checklist. And, but that just hit me a new way. Like, oh, my God, is this enlarging my spiritual life today? Um, and so my sponsee started praying on the hour. One of my original God Squad members uh, gave me that idea. I never did it, but I you know, suggested it to many people, <laughs> and, um, and, um, and so she started praying every hour, setting her cell phone timer, and lo and behold, like, the food just cleaned up, amazing, she still wanted to make a plan around her food, but, and I'm not, um, plan of eating is an incredible tool that I'm not dissing, but, um, we decided to instead to make a plan around her conscious contact, and so it was so amazing to see the freedom that she got from this that I thought, well, maybe I should try it, <laughs> you know. And so last weekend I went up to my family. There's all sorts of fun history with that. And, um, and I thought, okay, I'll pray every hour. So I'm praying every hour in the car, praying every hour when I get there. Like, we'll be in mid-conversation. be like, time to pray. <laughs> and um, it was amazing. Like, I was triggered. Is it time? No, okay, I was triggered, but I didn't have to pick it up, which to me is like freedom. I mean, yes, I love the times when I'm not even triggered. I love the times when I have no interest in food, and I do have those times. But the real amazing thing is when I am triggered, when all I want is the food, and I'm able, somehow I'm given the power to not pick it up. That's like... And I think that that's the biggest difference between my abstinence now and my abstinence then, and I'm sure it will continue to change, but that I thought that being abstinent meant I wasn't going to hurt anymore, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to suffer, it was going to be easy, um, at least the food thing will be easy, and um, happy, joyous, and free, right? And, and you know, that's, that's not my experience. Um, sometimes that's my experience, but... It's like, 
like the wanting what I have rather than having what I want. Like as I go closer and closer to that ideal of really just wanting what I have. Um, I don't know. I think that's where my higher power lives. Well, I think I'll end there. Um, do I, what do I do now? Oh, thank you. So I op- I'll open the floor to questions. Five minutes for a question or two. Nancy wants to know how the praying on the hour every hour is working out, <laughs> what the integration into my life. I still have the cell phone t- timer. It's a little more difficult going out about in the world with my um, with my daily life that can't so much be interrupted by a cell phone timer every hour. But it's on there, and it says pray with an exclamation point. And... I mean, I've also done, like, I put it on a post-it on my mirror, pray. And every time I look at it, it's a little prayer. Like, just seeing that word is a, is a little prayer. So, um, and it kind of um, showed me how much I actually pray throughout the day. It's not always, um, like, you know, incense and um, centered, and, you know, but it's like in the car, like, God, please. You know, or in that seat, God, please. Like, <laughs> at the board meeting, God, please, you know. So, um, yeah. Um, so the question is, um, what is my relationship with weighing myself and how does that tie into my abstinence recovery? Um, yeah, that number makes me insane. I am, that number, it doesn't matter what it is, it makes me insane. And I've learned that it's information that is not up to me. Like, it's just not helpful information for me. Um, I go to the doctor, I say I don't want to know what my weight is, but you can talk to me about it if it's a problem. And um, I actually had to tell, when I did gain weight out of, when I was out of the rooms, um, one of my doctors brought it up every time I saw him. And finally I was like, look, (laughs) like, like, you know, I'm not going to, like, this is really triggering to talk about it. If you think it's a a dire health issue, you can address it, but... um, if not, like, if I put my focus on the weight, I'm not focusing on God. It's like that sort of, that sort of um, quantifiable thing takes, takes me out of the realm of the gray, which is the world I live in. So, um, yeah, I go by the size of my clothes. Sometimes they feel tight, and that freaks me out. And I want to, my first compulsive overeater response is to cling and to try, okay, let's control this, you know. And um, and then, thank God, the, the reminder that, like, this is where I am today. This is the body I'm in today. Um, there's nothing I can do to significantly change my body today. So acceptance is the answer. Um, and lo and behold, I lose 40 pounds, or-ish. I don't know. Like, I lose what I, I lose weight. Like, it seems like I get closer to... Um, being in a body that I feel truly beautiful in, I get closer. It's an ideal. We'll get there maybe since like when I'm 600 years old, but it's an ideal. But um, I get closer to that so long as I just keep my focus on my higher power. <laughs> That's a really good question. Margie wants to know what, what do I do when I disagree with my sponsor. That's hard. I, I don't like disagreeing with authority figures. Um, <laughs> And it's really easy for me to put her up on a pedestal. Um, recently, 
Um, <laughs> this is actually, I, oh, I love this. Anyway, recently I um, was struggling with something or another, and I was telling her about it, and I'd done 10 steps on it and all this stuff, and she's like, have you taken this to God? And I was just like, of course I've taken this to God. What do you mean have I taken this to God? Of course, you know, and the truth was, like, I kind of hadn't. I'd been like, God, take it, take it, God. Like, not really, like, earnestly. Um, and um, and I got pretty defensive on the phone with her. And I, what that looked like is I'm feeling really defensive right now, you know. And, um, and I think... Um, I haven't had a lot of, my sponsor has a really light touch. She doesn't give me directions about how to man, micromanage my life. So there haven't been a lot of situations where, that have come up um, where I've disagreed with her. I mean, her, her suggestion is pretty much always to turn it over. And then let's talk about ways, ways to practically do that. That helps. We are done. Thank you so much.